We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. And we start with college basketball and college football with Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports breaking college football news this morning. Good to talk to you, Pete. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. Tell us about Luke Fickle turning down Michigan State and what does it say about the state of Michigan State football that this search is defined by all the coaches not interested? Uh, Well, I'm going to quibble with one thing you said slightly, Dave. The Cincinnati coach in that position is one of the best positions in group of five football. I mean, if you look at the last 20 years, Cincinnati coaches have gone to Michigan State, obviously, with Antonio. They've gone to Tennessee. They've gone to Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. So I don't think it's an insult necessarily to Michigan State that Luke Fickle, uh, you know, declined his interest after interviewing on uh, on Sunday. I I think Luke Fickle has a better team at Cincinnati than the roster currently at Michigan State. And you have an athletic director, Bill Beekman, who's not really an athletic director. He's a suit who came over from the campus side in the wake of the awful Nassar Nassar scandal. He's never run a coaching search, and that's becoming apparent here as this search sort of sputters on aimlessly uh, kind of throughout, throughout the country without a ton of direction and conviction. So the timing of Mark D'Antonio's departure is really the first thing that set this back. This is a very difficult time for coaches to switch jobs. I mean, it opened the day before signing day. So there were, there, there's already some like inherent ugliness with leaving right after you're signing a bunch of kids. And then when you, when you compound it with the administrative instability at Michigan state, it's not that attractive of a job. Uh, I think now as we, as we wake up on Monday, Interim coach Mike Tressel has a much better chance at getting this job just because uh, they've searched and knocked on some good doors and nobody's answered. So I want to get back, Pete, to the, 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 the matter at hand with Fickle. You know, Michigan State, Power 5, perennial top 25 program, Big Ten East. Why did he say no? I think there there's – a bunch of reasons. I think the timing had a lot to do with it. Um, he has a son who's going to be a, a senior in high school. It's difficult to walk away from a, a team you're already started to build. You know, you're a month into kind of winter workouts in, in different things. And he he has a better team at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle's never lived outside the state of Ohio, other than he had a cup of coffee with, uh, I believe, the Saints after he played at Ohio State. So there's, there's a comfort zone there. And, and I really think, Ross, the answer to Michigan State, you can say perennial top 25, you can say what you want. It's the fourth best job in either the toughest or the second toughest division in all of college football. You're inheriting a bad roster with no quarterback and scandal looming over the entire university. And, oh, by the way, you've got to build it so you can beat Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. It's a difficult job. And I think Mark D'Antonio exceeded expectations there and and did an excellent job. It's unfair almost to view it through his prism. 
I think that's a fair point. Uh, let's get to D'Antonio because I haven't really gotten a straight answer on this. Why did he resign when he did? Is it because he just wanted to wait until he got that retention bonus? Or was it the heat from the Blackwell lawsuit and maybe he thought, I got to get out of here? Or the administration thought, you might want to get out of here before some of these more allegations come? So I would say it's a little bit of all of the above. Like if you would ask me in September, do I think Mark D'Antonio coaches at Michigan State next year? I would say more likely he does not than he does. Him stepping down wasn't shocking. The timing was unfortunate. And I think a lot of this comes back to an incompetent administration. If you look at the Michigan State administration, you know Mark's due the $4.3 million bonus. You could still have talks with him about potentially leaving in December before the bowl game and say, hey, Mark, look, in good faith, we're going to give this to you or let's negotiate it down to $3.8 million or whatever you want to do. Like, Everybody sat on their hands until he got the bonus. And he tried to restructure the offensive staff there and tried to lure in candidates. Well, who wants to go join a sinking ship? So there were a confluence of things that that sort of dominoed to him stepping away when he did. But, I mean, let's be honest, the most important one's $4.3 million. If you guys said to me, hey, Pete, you have to stay on the, uh, if you have to stay on the show until uh, you know, X time to get $4.3 million, everyone's going to do it. <laughs> but you could, you could also, you, you can also, like, an experienced administrator would realize how awful running a search in mid-February would be and how difficult it would be and would find ways around that to navigate around it. Talking to Pete Dammel, Yahoo Sports, about the Michigan State football situation. Look, I think it's an insult for Michigan State that Luke Fickle turns them down just based on budget and, and you know staff and facilities. You're talking about a difference of tens of millions of dollars not not a couple of million but tens of millions of dollars and let's expand on this to the article you have on yahoo sports right now where my alma mater uh mel tucker has declined interest 49ers defensive coordinator robert sala iowa state matt campbell and now fickle so what does it say about the state of the program that it's not just fickle that a lot of coaches who would be stepping up considerably in terms of their budget and their facilities don't even have interest. Well, I, I mean, they're in they're in a pickle, and that's what happens when you have poor leadership, and you're trying to lure a an established head coach. When you become a head coach, you realize how important it is to have what they call alignment. To have a great president who will be there for the long term. To have a great AD who will be there for the long term. To have a football, you know, infrastructure and you know, associate athletic director, etc. Who are, who are locked and loaded to go. And, it, and essentially, anyone who interviews for the Michigan State job knows Bill Beekman's not going to be there for the long term. And while he is the permanent athletic director, it doesn't feel permanent in any way possible, especially the way this search is going. So I really feel like that is what's... If you have a great job, like Mel Tucker has a really good job. Robert Selleck will be an NFL coach in a calendar year. Um, you're not going to put your career... At a, at a difficult job at risk. I mean, Michigan State, at the end of the day, is a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten job. Pete, you make some really good points. D'Antonio did an unbelievable job there, but the reality is, and you know I know this, and I know you know this, they don't get the same kids as Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan. They oh, just yeah. don't, and, and they're never going to. 
So you have to be an unbelievable coach to be any better than fourth place in that division. And look, Shiano at Rutgers, I mean, th- there's going to be competition just to even be fourth. So I'm with you on that. Michigan State, not in a great place. College football, though, is in a pretty great place. College basketball is not. You had a great story, Pete, about Coach K and his comments recently about the state of college basketball. And I thought one thing that was interesting is that Coach K mentioned college football having a big-picture plan and being big-time, but college basketball not. What did he mean by that? It's it's a good question, and I – I don't think college football leadership is perfect by any means, but one of the things Coach K has stumped for for 30 years, Ross, is he wants a commissioner. He wants someone who is a czar of basketball who is in charge. And at the NCAA, because 90-plus percent of the NCAA revenue comes from the NCAA tournament and that billion-dollar television contract, there's almost more of an onus to have basketball figured out. One of the misnomers is that the NCAA gets rich off of college football. They really don't because the bowls and the conferences and make all the money off the TV contracts. But the NCAA makes the money off the NCAA tournament. And so the health of college basketball is intricately tied to the future of the NCAA. And Coach K basically said no one at the NCAA has any answers to this evolving landscape. Now, there is no czar of college football, but you can't argue that college football has had better vision and foresight and better leadership um, at the conference level in, in terms of like bringing in the postseason, the BCS, the playoff, et cetera. There, there, there just seems to be handled with better care than college basketball. Now, that said, there's 360-something Division I college basketball teams. Maine and Miami, Duke and Drake all play under the same rules. And it's, it's, it's a very difficult things for someone to wrap their arms around because it's just such a wide swath of backgrounds and places. Talking to Pete Thamel at uh, Pete Thamel on Yahoo Sports. Check out their uh, Yahoo Sports podcast with Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty. One of the biggest problems they have in college basketball is guys leaving college early and not getting drafted. You had 86 underclassmen declare last year. That was a record. 79 the year before. And Pete, about half, 85 in the last two years, left college early, and went undrafted. And the result is, you can call it parity. I see it as mediocrity. No great teams, not a lot of great players either. What can college basketball do to fix that problem? I think Trey Jones is a great example of staying in school and how beneficial it can be for the player and for the program, but how do they fix it? College basketball needs to get its groove back. It has no panache. It has no buzz. Right now, it's not cool to play college basketball. Uh, The column you guys kindly referenced uh, that I wrote on Yahoo last week about Coach K's comments, I I included a really telling snippet from a kid named Mikey Williams. Mikey Williams is the number one or one of the best freshmen in high school in the country. Evan Daniels from 247 Sports went and did a profile of him. Mikey Williams already has 1.4 million Instagram followers. At Mikey, you've probably never heard of him, guys. But um, I have. <laughs> okay, very good. So Mikey well, said to Evan Daniels off the cuff, I thought this was very telling. He said, I want to get to the NBA as fast as possible. That's the mindset of young players right now. They're going to Australia. They're going to the G League. Shoot, some kids are just going to work out in gyms for a year and then turning pro. 
And college basketball is no longer a destination. That's just a hard, cold fact. And is it the NLI that maybe lures kids in where they can make some money? Is it, uh, you know, it, do the rules have to change? But the NCAA has done such a poor job, and look at the James Wiseman situation earlier this year at Memphis, of welcoming, accommodating, and really compensating the guys who were stars, and now they don't have any. So how do you fix it, Pete? I mean, what, what would be what, what would you do? The toothpaste, uh, Ross, is well out of the tube. Uh, I don't know how you fix like what a generation has grown up seeing and doing. Um, I, you know, look, they had a big NCA committee. Everybody get together. We're going to have a big committee uh, conference out in Anaheim two weeks ago. And they said, in a year, we'll we'll decide what we may do. And that's kind of the way the NCA works. Just keep clearing the checks, keep kicking the can down the road come up with no innovation, no solutions, and they're essentially getting backed in a corner. Um, so I, I would pass some type of name engine like this, but this is like a battleship that has to be turned. This is like you have to like change the opinions of a generation. It's, it's very, very difficult where the NCAA has backed itself into. If they had more games like Duke, North Carolina, college Ooh. basketball would be in great shape. Um, I tweeted out over the weekend, it is the greatest rivalry in all of sports, bar none. In the last 100 meetings prior to Saturday night, it was tied Duke, Carolina, 50-50. And to take it one step further, they had scored the exact same amount of points, 7,746 and then this happened late Saturday night. They go to overtime. Listen to the call. And Alex O'Connell's position. Got the miss. Jones, can he get a shot off? Yes! Oh. Jones knocks it down to tie the game as the horn sounds. Just amazing. The question is, did he get it off in time? It looked like he did. And instead of shooting a soft shot, shooters Matthew Hurt and Alex O'Connell position. A miss, a tap. Jones, tipped, yes. Wendell Moore puts it home for Duke. That was an unbelievable win for Duke Wendell Moore and a win that could have changed the season for North Carolina. But Trey Jones, Wendell Moore saved the day. It's 51-50 Duke, and they have it by two points in the last 101 meetings. Pete, what to you makes this, or am I wrong, that it's the greatest rivalry in all of sports today? It's a, it's a great rivalry. I mean, Auburn, Alabama in football would definitely, in college, would definitely rival the rivalry, if you will. But I, I do agree generally that Carolina Duke is awesome. It always delivers. And that game was fantastic. My, my favorite play for, from that game uh, on Saturday Night Dave was the missed free throw. How Trey Jones missed that free throw. It was like a two-handed chest pass off the bottom of the rim, and then it caroms over, he collects it, makes a move, and then hits a jump shot. Like, that is one of the great, clutch basketball plays that you will ever see. Uh, I, I would argue it was the best missed free throw. There may be one in the NBA somewhere in the playoffs that I've missed, but I don't ever remember the missed free throw gambit working that well and, and executed that perfectly. And then he comes in the lane and hits a heck of a tough shot, that pull up and hit it pure. Trey Jones isn't the best shooter in the world. So it was just a remarkable basketball play 
And look, Duke had to make like seven plays. Carolina lost this game a dozen different ways. But that was, uh, to me, when I think about this game and that finish five years from now, it's going to be that Trey Jones chest pass missed free throw that, uh, that, that stands out in my mind. Yeah, good job there by Jay Billis and the ESPN guys uh, describing it. Pete, when does the rule kick in where the kids can go right from high school to the NBA? And does that in some way end up helping college hoops that maybe next year I would actually know who some of these college basketball players are whenever that kicks in? Or does it hurt it because then they're really not going to have any stars? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, they still have not set that yet. Uh, when the one of they have said they want it to happen, but there's still some lingering tension between the NBA Players Association and the NBA about eradicating the one and done rule and letting kids come straight from high school again. It's a sort of dense negotiating point that revolves around access to players' injury information prior to the draft, um, and it's one of those things where the agents have dug their heels in. So, like. It could conceivably not happen. Adam Silver said it's expected to happen. He's talked about it openly happening, but it has not happened yet. So we shouldn't overstate that. I believe the first year would be when the current freshman in high school, like because Imani Bates is one of those, are, uh, I think it's the class of 22. Um, I'm not good at math. That's why I became a journalist. Uh, that's when the, the, the plan was for. But if that doesn't happen, it's going to change the whole landscape in a lot of other ways, too. But that's a that's another rabbit hole we can go down. Uh, we can go down some other time. So it is expected to happen in the next three years. But wh whether it does or not still still remains to be seen. And the fact that it's taken this long from they sort of declared it to happen to now is 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 intriguing and should not be overlooked. It is. It is the biggest question facing them. And I'll be honest with you, Pete, the only reason I've heard of Mikey Williams is you mentioned it. Instagram followers, my son, 12-year-old sports fan, he's more into Mikey Williams and Bronny James than yeah. anyone in college basketball. I don't think he could name, besides Duke, his dad makes him watch Duke games, I don't think he could name mm -hmm. two players in college basketball, but they love Mikey Williams. So is that how you punish it, it is him a problem. to make him watch Duke? <laughs> <laughs> hey man it's it's our bond and it is the greatest rivalry that's in great. all of sports i've Pete seen Campbell, on great instagram to have you guys have the garden at those games that's really cool <laughs> yeah there you go buddy i love it love the devils good to have you on pete always appreciate it check out his breaking news column on luke fickle turning down michigan state article already up on yahoo sports good to have you pete hey thanks guys fun to be back Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.